So that's Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 to 26. So I'm, I'm going to start reading. And it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Hi, Josh. You all right? Is it Josh at the back there? Yeah, Josh. Hey, you look just like him. Are you his brother? Cousin, mate, you look the spit of him. Great to see you. What's your name? What's your name, mate? Danny. Lovely to meet you. I'm Rob. Uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time together now. Thank you that you, by your spirit, uh, change us to be more like you. Uh, please help us to see that this evening. Uh, please help us to be humble, to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. probably going to embarrass myself a little bit here by telling you one of my little guilty pleasures, okay? You will think this guy is nuts. I like watching uh, these kind of videos, you know, people post them up, don't they? Uh, This is a mangrove, I don't know where it is. Uh, These people are doing a clear-up project. You can see there's, it's absolutely covered with litter. It's meant to be a luscious undergrowth, a jungle somewhere, um, and yet it's absolutely covered with litter. And I love just watching, like, the video, because obviously they speed it up. And you see, sudden, like, as they start to bag everything up and take these litter bags away, um, the place becomes a beautiful paradise again. That's my guilty pleasure. Um, I don't spend hours looking at that kind of content. Um, but I do, I do waste a few minutes of my time wasting, looking at that content. Um, uh, that's what it looks like afterwards, uh, bagging all up the litter, taking it away. And yet the thing that the video never shows you is what it looked like a month later or six months later or a year later. What do you think it might have looked like? Same as as it was before. And I'm telling you this because um, it's, it's a bit like sin in our lives. There's a lot of mucky stuff in our hearts, isn't there? There's a lot of mucky attitudes, horrible things lurking away underneath and um, we can kind of think that we're just going to clear things up we just need to clear up our lives and then it will be okay but there actually is an underlying problem isn't there here 
the cause of it is what we need to ask about. We need to ask, where does this stuff come from? To answer that question of how it's going to be fixed. Where does this stuff come from? Now, in the case of the, the jungle um, situation, uh, stuff comes from people who are littering. So you'd have to fix that kind of problem, wouldn't you? But we never really ask that question, where does this stuff come from when it comes to the Christian life? But the Bible does. Jesus answers that question. Where does this stuff, this horrible stuff called sin, this nasty attitude, where does it all come from? Jesus says this and answers that question. Have a look on the screen. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this makes a person unclean. For out of the heart come all uh, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what makes a person unclean. Jesus answers that question, where does it come from? It comes from our hearts. Wow. So it's a bit more inward, a bit more kind of deep set than we would like to realise. We think it's just the outward stuff that shows sin. Well, actually, where it comes from is within. And so, the Bible doesn't just show us what the problem is. It shows us what the solution is. And the solution is not us. The solution is not us trying to clear up our lives. If you're not a Christian here today, I would love you to hear that message. You will not fight fight sin. You will not clear out your life. You will not live differently. You will not have different desires that are God's desires if you just look to your own strength. You have to look elsewhere. Um, Let's have a look down um, in this passage. Um, You know that Paul has been stressing that these believers, these Christians, are free. They've been free from sin, from hell, from judgment. um, And they've been set free for freedom to not go back to rule-keeping as their performance and their uh, acceptance before God to love and serve one another. That's what we saw last week. Let's have a look down with me at this passage. And in verse um, 17, we see that there is the ultimate fight that's going on. What is the ultimate fight? It's not between Joshua or whoever it is in, in the ring, in the big fight, the boxing ring, Anthony Joshua. No, it's between the flesh... The human nature, the sinful human nature, and the spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's the big fight. And look down with me at verse 17. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I couldn't have said it more times. It says it three times. Um, Against, against, opposed to one another. The Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is opposed to sin, to the sinful flesh. And the sinful flesh is opposed to God. That's the big fight. And you can see it's a big fight because there's a whole list of things um, that are um, the deeds, the works of the flesh. What comes out of, the behaviours that come out of the sinful nature. Uh, If you look down with me, it says in verse um, 19, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. 
that's a, that's a pretty, pretty scary list, isn't it? I mean, when you look at it like that. Think of the amount of havoc that those things can wreak and have wrought on so many lives of people here, just in this one room. So this works of the flesh, these are the actions that result from the over-desires in our human heart. At the root of those things, there's, not, there's actually a desire that could be good, but because we've used it for ourselves and for self-gain, it turns into something that's altogether ugly. And so the big fight is that the desires of the God spirit are against these kind of desires which lead to these kind of works. These are, this is the way, all the behavior that is a result of the desires of the flesh, the sinful heart. Maybe you recognize some of those. I certainly do. Jealousy. Anger. Envy. Sexual immorality. You wouldn't have to look far at my life to see all of these and more. And yet there's a big fight going on. The fight is not us against the flesh. Notice that. It's God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit against the flesh. Now that's a fight. And it's a fight that has been won. Jesus put to death sin in his body when he took sin to the, to the cross. He puts sin to death. Um, look down with me at um, verse 24. Then, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That is wonderful news, isn't it? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That list, you know, yes, will sometimes feature in the life of the Christian, but always in a decreasing measure. It will become less regular because the flesh is dying out. The sinful nature is being pushed out <laughs> by the spirit and his good desires. What are the spirit's desires? Uh, what are his uh, desires bringing about in someone's life? Well, look down with me at verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In many ways, it's the exact opposite of the first list. Not, a, not sort of a, an addiction that gets ugly and goes for more, 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 but self-control. You could apply that to anger as well, self-control. And his desires at work in someone are going to change them and change the kind of behaviours and the things that they do. The first list, then, can describe anyone sitting here. It does describe all of us sitting here. But the second list can only really describe the Christian. Why do I say that? The second list can only describe the Christian and every Christian because of two fundamental things that have taken place. We read one of them, didn't we, in verse um, 25. Uh, sorry, in verse 20, yeah, 25. We read one of them in, in verse 24. The first fundamental thing that has taken place 
is that their sinful flesh, if they are a Christian, has been crucified with Christ. Christ's body hang on the, hung on the tree, but their sinful flesh, their sin, also got nailed to the cross. Got dealt its deadly blow. And so the first part, the first fundamental thing that's changed in the Christian is that their sinful flesh has been dealt its, its deadly blow. It's reeling, yeah, it's sort of staggering, but it's, it's, it's knocked out. It can't, it can't really fight on. The second thing that's taken place is verse 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit. It should actually be since we live by the Spirit. Because it's not an if, maybe. It's a we have. We do live by the Spirit. And so at the same time as the old flesh being killed off, the Spirit has come to live inside of a believer. His new life is in them. He is in them. So that's why the second list can only really describe the Christian. We might like to think that we can get from the first list to the second list just with a bit of effort. Maybe some religious rules. The the thing at the moment is that we need positive thoughts. People believe that, don't they? That if we just think enough positive thoughts, then we'll begin to be better people that's the mantra today if we can say to ourselves enough positive thoughts if we can only think about good things all the time then I will be a nice person but actually the only one who can get us from the first list to the second list can bring about a fight that will be won is Jesus he's the only one who can do that So what, uh, if you are a Christian, and only if you are a Christian, the instructions here are to keep in step with the Spirit. Now we'll have a think of what that means um, for us. But it does say that, doesn't it? It says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit. This is not an instruction for all people. This is an instruction for Christians. Because going back to what I said about the two big things that have taken place in the life of a Christian... Imagine if I said to a donkey, you've got to start riding like a horse. Or I tried to ride a donkey like a horse. You're laughing at me because you know about donkeys. And you know about horses, actually. It ain't going to work because the nature's not changed. If you tell a dog to behave like a cat, it's just not going to do it because it's a dog. And in the same way, if our nature hasn't been changed, we can try all we want, we can shout at ourselves in the mirror... We can say, do this, do this, do this. It's not going to change. Because our nature is the thing that affects our desires, is the thing that affects our behavior. It's very, very deep. And the only one who can change our nature is Jesus. He's the only one who can give us the spirit with new desires, which play out in new behaviors. So this is an instruction for the Christians. And if you're a Christian here today, let us keep in step with the spirit. It says that twice, doesn't it? Verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit, in verse 16, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
So the instruction for those who have received the Holy Spirit, who are saved, is keep in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, it could just be that we get on with doing the, the characteristics that are described here as being the overflow of that, the Spirit's work in our lives. It could be like, just do that. I think it starts a bit further back than that. Um, here's Jesus on this. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So what is keeping in step with the Spirit? Well, it's doing what the Spirit wants us to do, which is to look to Jesus, to keep looking to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the righteous one, and what he has done is what makes us righteous with God. And there's nothing more, actually, that we can do to make us love, God love us any more or make him love us any less. And when we keep looking to Jesus, that is how the desires of the flesh let go away. They just don't appeal anymore because we have all we need in Christ. It says that whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you, can't, you can do nothing. To keep in step with the Spirit is doing what the Spirit desires us to do. Looking to Jesus, to his righteousness, to his word. And keep looking to Jesus. And we're going to have a look in a moment at a, a sort of diagnostic, something that Paul shows um, the Galatians. He puts his finger on something that there might be signs that they're actually not doing that. They're starting to look to their own performance again before God. What is that um, little um, sign? Well, Paul can't stop talking about it. He's said it in verse 15, directly before this section. He said in verse 16 about biting, devouring one another. In verse, um, what's the next one? Uh, 26, at the end of the section. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He's talking to Christians here. And if you notice, smuggled in uh, with that list of things, uh, works of the flesh, well, the first three are kind of obvious sins, aren't they? Sexual immorality, uh, impurity, sensuality. And then the next ones are quite obvious as well. Idolatry, sorcery, worshipping other things other than God. But then there's this whole ring of list, like string of, of things which all link together, enmity, which is hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. They're the kind of things that we can quite easily hide, right? As Christians, we can, we can sort of think, okay, well, I know what the obvious sins are, the really, really bad ones. Like the Galatians would have known going back to sexual immorality as they were doing in their pagan worship was was pretty bad but Paul's putting his finger on something here that will show them that they're starting to go back to their own performance before God trusting in something else other than Jesus to make them right before God and it's bitterness it's it's unkind thoughts and words about other Christians that's what it is and if we're a Christian here today, we, we get the instruction, keep in step with the Spirit, and that means looking to Jesus. But what would it look like to stop looking to Jesus and to stop having our assurance in him 
and in what he has done and start for it to start being what I have done and, and how I'm performing as a Christian. Well, it would look like being bitter and being judgmental of other Christians, wouldn't it? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, let us not. 25 is live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. But verse 26 is let us not. So presumably that is the flip side of if we don't walk by the Spirit. We'll be doing stuff in church. We'll be living lives, perhaps serving in church. And yet in our hearts, there'll be that bitterness. Why isn't that person doing more? Why aren't they noticing what I'm doing? See how it breaks out? When our assurance, when our security goes from being in Jesus and what he has done and his righteousness to being in what I'm doing. That is the first thing. That's the big sign. That was the thing that challenged me this week. Um, So maybe you can take that away and just have a think on that. Honestly, ask anyone, unfortunately, uh, regulars in this church, what, 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 what is some of Rob's sins? I, I reckon that would probably be one of the things. He sometimes fl- flies off the handle. He sometimes gets a bit upset with people. He, just, he gets frustrated with people. Ask, ask my wife. But that will show me, <laughs> that will show me that I am putting my confidence in the flesh, that I'm putting my confidence in my performance. Because then I'm thinking on one side of things, why are, why are other people not struggling as, because I'm doing so well? Or on the other side of things, I might be envying people who are doing things. See how it comes in. Paul says, let us not do that. That will be the sure sign to us that we're putting our confidence. Not in Jesus and what he has done for us, but in ourselves again. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And that will happen when I begin to trust in my own performance and take my eyes off Jesus and his finished work. So I, uh, if you are a Christian, I, I commend that to you, to something to take away. What is going on in my heart? Other Christians won't know that. They might hear the um, harsh or uh, quick to anger thing from time to time, but they won't necessarily hear what's going on in your heart. But that will be the sign to you that that's starting to creep in. Um, if you're not a Christian here, and I said at the start, didn't I, that about that, um, that jungle, you know, clearing up the jungle, well, where does it come from? Where does the ugly thoughts come from? Where does the sin come from? It comes from our hearts. And you're not going to change your heart. You can't do it. We sang that in that kid's song, didn't we? Sin is too strong. I cannot change my evil heart. I need someone to save me. Um, here's three groups of people. Um, there's the person. I think it's the next one. Three groups of people. Um, I said about the first group of people. Without God, we think, can't, don't we? I can change me. That is what everyone believes. I can better me. I'm improving me. And all of that ugly stuff, I can, I can sort that out. Maybe it's the, um, the thought that, um, that positive thinking will help me to change myself. But we look back and we think, actually, all of the things I was prone to doing five years ago, 
I'm still prone to doing now, so I can't actually really change me. What about the religious person? Well, actually, we can do a lot of religious things thinking I, I need to change myself. Perhaps we're thinking that the Bible tells us we need to change ourselves. I'll go to the Bible and it will tell me, this is what I need to do to change myself. Ever heard that before? Ever heard that in church before? A few nodding heads. So in a really religious life, a devout life, on the outside, the sinful nature is still alive and well. Quite shocking, actually. My, um, my hometown, Upfield, um, there was a priest, a vicar. And uh, it came out in the news later on that there was loads of sexual immorality going on. And everyone goes, <gasps> And yet, actually, our surprise should not be that sin is found and it's ugly, but that there's not more sin that is uncovered. Because actually, if the sinful nature isn't, hasn't been put to death, if the spirit isn't alive in someone, then sin it will run riot. And it will run riot in people who think that they're good enough and want to show other people that they're good enough by their religious behaviours. The shock should not be that we find sin there, but that we don't find more sin that is not in a worse state when it's uncovered. But what about the third person? This is the Christian. It's the Christian who says, I can't change myself. I can't do it. But I know someone who can. And when we say that, when we trust that Jesus is the one who can change us, and we stop being proud, we stop being self-dependent, it's humbling, isn't it, to be told you can't do something, but the Bible tells us we can't change our hearts. We can't change our sinful nature. It's too strong. I can't do it. But Jesus can. And he sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we have a whole new life. The Bible doesn't say uh, God tells us to try harder or do better. He says you need to be born again by the Spirit. You need to receive the Spirit. By faith, trusting Jesus, and then, whoa, that fight is on, isn't it? It's on because the Spirit will win. The Spirit will overcome even sin's power in our lives. And in the end, we'll be with Jesus forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending your Son to die in the flesh. That though he had no sin, he took on our sin and nailed it to the cross. Thank you that there is the only way that our sinful nature can be put to death. And thank you that you give us new life. You pour out your spirit into our hearts at that same moment that he lives in us. And his new life and his desires are at work in our hearts, changing us day by day. So thank you so much that that is the way that you change us pray that we would stop trusting in ourselves, stop looking to our own strength to do that. Pray that we keep coming back to you, praising you for what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.